Hello and welcome to Spoken Like a Native podcast. My name is Diane. I'm an English teacher from Scotland and a devoted language learner. And this podcast is for those learning English to improve their listening and vocabulary with episodes on engaging topics like culture, current events, history and how languages work. If you want to improve your speaking and listening, head over to speakmeters.com where you can take part in small group conversations hosted by native speakers. This is an amazing way to boost your fluency, expand your vocabulary and increase your confidence by practicing with qualified, certified and selected native speakers who really enjoy helping people. There are sessions at a range of levels for English, French, Spanish and German. So book your first session today, speakmeters.com. And don't forget, you can take part in this podcast by telling me your ideas for topics. Information about how to get in touch with us is in the description. Enough beating around the bush, let's get this episode underway. Hi Fabian, thanks for coming on the podcast. You have a pretty big uh, podcast about French, so people learning French. And I've been a listener for quite a while now, I don't know, a couple of years. Um, so, And I know that you also speak several languages, so I thought we could get you on here to talk about your experience in learning English and how you find it. Hi everyone, hi Jan. I'm Fabian, I'm French, and I've been teaching French for like uh, three years and a half now. Cool, and... Yeah, in the last few years, you've been making a podcast, which uh, also has a YouTube channel. Um, and you do a, a range of different topics about, but speaking obviously exclusively in French, kind of everyday topics, sometimes history, but yeah, lots of different things. Uh, and I was curious to know what you did before you became, you had this new role, before you did French teaching, making podcasts. What did you actually do? Um, before being French teacher, I was working in France as a customer service advisor for an internet company, so had nothing to do with my current occupation, but I was helping people anyway. And how long have you been speaking English? I've been keen on speaking English since I was a kid in primary school, but I've been really speaking uh, since I've been learning it on my own. So around five or six years. And why was it that you actually started learning English? What was it that made it interesting for you? Would you mind telling us something about that? Well, I have part of my family living in the USA. My aunt is French uh, and she moved to Chicago when she was 20 or something. And then my uncle is American and so is their daughter, uh, my cousin, So when I was a toddler, my uncle and my aunt would send me American toys or gadgets like TMNTs, uh, GI Joes, and I even was the first kid to have those shoes with lights on the heel, you know. <laughs> uh, so I started to really like this American culture and I wanted to be good at English to be able to understand my uncle and my cousin. And a few years back, I decided to backpack a little Uh, so I needed to speak English. But I never felt uh, forced to speak English. I really like how it sounds and I really like to speak it. Yeah, it's nice to hear someone actually saying that they like the sound of English because 
in general, <laughs> people learn because they have to, not because they really want to. Not like with a language like French or maybe Portuguese, Spanish, they like the sound of it. Um, but yeah, in the case of English, it's pure uh, duty or for work or something like that, or because the world is dominated by English. So it's nice to hear someone actually appreciate the sound. Um, so tell me, if you could, how did you learn? Um, and are you still working on your skills now? So like, what do you do if, you, um, if you're still studying, practicing now? What kind of activities or resources you know, do you use? Yeah, I'm still trying to improve my English skills nowadays. I don't make as much effort as I would like because of the lack of time, but at least I'm trying my best to maintain them. I mostly watch English videos, any kind of them, and especially made for native people and not for learners. For example, I often watch a Jimmy Fallon shows, But I, I also watch different kinds of channels like anatomy, biology, science, fitness, language learning, and so on and so on. And when I watch something, not always, but I look up some new words uh, from time to time. And also to improve, I try to face new challenges to speak English when they occur. Uh, speaking right now in English is a good example. Or when I come across lost foreign tourists, I try to help them out as much as I can on the train, on the street and so on. So I try to create those occasions to speak English. That you want to learn, but there's plenty of people that you can meet online to, to practice with. And there's websites, there's Netflix, there's YouTube, there's lots of um, opportunities. And... You have to create those opportunities, as, as Fabian has said. So let's talk about how you actually learned English. What did you find worked for you? How did the process work? Um, what do you find useful in learning English? And what do you find that doesn't help? Um, and then also, if you could say, you know, have you uh, continued to get better and better? Or have you ever found yourself getting to a point where you you get stuck so just yeah something you could tell us about that would be great well i can definitely confirm that national education school boring methods used when i was a student don't work at all they're not efficient and even worse they can make people disgust, disgusted with english but i can see that things are changing in france for example my niece is 14 years old and lately Uh, she had to record a kind of, a kind of YouTube video for her English classes, uh, talking about her, her favorite series. And it was so fun for her to make. Uh, I could see that she was improving her English uh, by doing things uh, she likes. So um, forcing people to learn English with boring grammar drills or homeworks uh, doesn't work and it's even bad. While learning English with fun activities, but with a little part of effort, works way, way, way better. Especially for primary or secondary school students, because they don't even know whether English will be useful for them or not. So they don't see the point of learning so much boring grammar. And it's almost the same for me as an adult. 
I mostly learned English doing things I like, uh, like traveling, talking to foreigners, consuming content, but uh, with a small percentage of studying drills. Don't focus so much on grammar. Focus on vocabulary by listening, watching, having fun, and practicing as much as you can, and try new things. I find my experience with uh, with learning Spanish, sometimes <laughs> you just have to do the grammar drills, unfortunately, because there's in Spanish there's so much conjugation. You have to know the different tenses, the different people, all the different subjects that using uh, that tense, uh, they have a different ending of the verb, and it's very complicated. So it's necessary to practice, but there are websites where you can do grammar drills, which are less boring, um, but still it's inevitable. There's going to be some, uh, some challenge in doing stuff, which is kind of challenging and boring and repetitive. That's fine. I think sometimes we need to get a little bit bored. It makes us creative if we're bored, you know? Um, but I agree also that doing something that's really practical, like making a YouTube video, even if you're not going to share it with anyone, uh, you're just pretending, you're playing it. Okay, I'm going to make a video to tell everyone what I did today. That's the kind of thing people do, and they, they make a lot of money um, doing their YouTube videos. And so so people can can actually, I think for kids, they can see, oh, well, if I can use this language and I can talk about what I'm doing, it has a real impact Um, and you're not just sitting there listening to audios and repeating things. So those kind of things are great. And making friends online who are who who speak the language you want to speak. It's a really great way to 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 do it. So are you happy? How happy do you feel with your English, um, your current level and and why? Yes, I'm quite happy because even though I make grammar or mistakes sometimes, I can be understood and I can understand. So that's the most important thing and it brings us satisfaction and fulfillment. If you can have a conversation and you can say what you want to say, you're really like, I wouldn't say more than halfway there. You're maybe 75% there. And I hear from, from students, I've had several students recently actually say to me, in very good English, in almost perfect English, with a couple of mistakes, they'll say to me, you know, Diane, my, uh, I can understand things, but my, my speaking is terrible. And they're saying this in a <laughs> pretty good accent, uh, clearly pronounced, easy to understand, without too many mistakes in grammar. And I think, like, you don't realize what, what you've been able to achieve. There is lots of people in the world who would love to achieve this level, even if their level is intermediate to upper intermediate. Those people who are very perfectionistic are focusing on the, I want to be C2. But you get to C2, it's basically, you know, you can do anything you want. Um, that's po possibly a topic for another episode, how accurate and how realistic those levels are. But people just want to get up, okay, I need to be uh, C2. Okay, but if you can explain what you want to explain, why not focus on something that really interests you rather than going through an exam, which uh, is probably a bit over, you know, over detailed for what you might actually want to do. Um, because, you know, most people who speak a language as a native speaker, 
they don't do the the depth of grammar study or vocabulary study that some some students who are really perfectionistic do. And I think the main point is not to underestimate your your skill once you get to that. It's it's important, I grant, to be realistic with what you're able to do and not to, you know, rest, sit back and go, oh yeah, I can speak, it's completely fine. There are those people as well who speak a load of uh, incoherent rubbish and think that they're amazing because they know a few words. Um, but in my experience, it's very much related to your personality. Um, so it's it can be a bit of a, a hurdle to overcome. Some people, whether it's due to their society, their upbringing, their personality, they have an issue with speaking in front of people and really don't want to make mistakes in front of people. Uh, I've met quite a few like that. They can write very well, um, but they're quite uh, wary of speaking in front of other people for fear of making mistakes until they're completely sure that what they say is going to be correct. They're, they're very cautious about actually speaking. So, and and that's, a, that's a hurdle, that's a problem, because without the practice, without making those mistakes, you don't improve. You have to make the mistake to learn from it. Once you correct your mistake, even if you have to correct the same mistake 300 times, once it's there, it's there. And um, that's how we learn. It's, um, it's been studied how, how our brains actually work. So, what do you like the most about speaking English fluently? Having this superpower to be able to talk to a lot of people, since English is like a universal language. So, for me, it's a powerful key that allows me to unlock different possibilities. Yeah, it is a superpower. I think um, it's kind of underappreciated sometimes. Uh, there's a common misconception, either you have the skill to learn a language or you don't but it's just a case of activating that part of your brain I think some people are stronger than others in learning languages but um, with with the right technique that works for you that you feel comfortable with then then you can really learn it yeah it can be a, a, a lot of fun and what do you think makes a successful language learner we have to know why uh, we learn English and we don't have to be forced to learn it. We have to find fun activities to acquire and practice as much uh, languages as possible. So this next question might be a little bit academic, <laughs> showing something about me, but have you noticed in your experience or anything that you've read that our genetics, type of brain that we have... Um, or our environment, have you noticed and or have you heard about that having uh, a big impact on yourself or the people who speak several languages uh, in the fact that they're able to speak several languages? What is it that makes someone uh, good at learning more than one language? In Do you have any opinion about that? No, I haven't. We just know how to immerse ourselves in languages, living in the target language, uh, country or not. We already know that there isn't any particular aptitude, genetics, or whatsoever needed to be able to learn a foreign language. However, the older we are, the more anchored our native language is, and the more difficult it will be for the brain to embrace other grammar or pronunciation rules. But it's not a big deal. It just takes more time. 
So I encourage people to start learning languages as young as possible and motivation, comprehensible input, novelty, repetition and commitment are the main keys. And that's it. So I know that you speak several languages. For you, what are the advantages to having that ability? More, not just one extra language, but several languages. Uh, to be able to speak to a lot of different people and uh, to discover lots of cultures. So we can better understand the world surrounding us and be more open-minded. And, and that's wonderful for me. Yeah, that's that's true, of course. But maybe there's some, some downside as well, like this idea that maybe we're <laughs> devoting more space in our brain to something uh, that we might not really use, you know? Am I going to be able to speak Russian with people every day? I don't know whether that's going to be um, that uh, important, for example. I, I sometimes worry about how speaking lots of different languages than our own uh, kind of uses up our neurons where they could be devoted to something that might be a bit more practical. I don't know. What do you think about that? <laughs> the more languages we speak, the harder it is to not mix them up and to avoid confusion. And the more difficult it will be to maintain all of them. I can hear a lot of people saying that they want to speak a lot of languages, uh, but they have to know that it's very time and energy consuming. We will need to be committed to the language uh, for life. Yeah, we can really mix up words from two different languages and sometimes when I'm speaking French I will be thinking in Spanish not in English in Spanish <laughs> sometimes when I'm speaking Spanish I'm speak I'm thinking in French it's, sometimes it's really confusing but because they're two similar languages it, they can be it's almost like my brain has categorized them similarly English resides in a different part of my brain almost because it's so central to my whole experience but yeah, it's it's also very idealized, isn't it? This idea of like, oh, I'm polyglot, I can speak 10 languages. But in reality, um, what's the, the use of it? Unless you, as you say, unless you're really committed to it, stick with things that you you love and you're passionate about and you're going to use. And some, yeah, something that's, that's meaningful for you for life. Because it does take a lot. If you learn something, you, you do need to maintain it. So that's that's a really good point. So uh, as we move towards the end of this interview, uh, could you please tell me if you have any goals in regards to like your future with your English skills? I would like to improve my listening skills and be able to fully understand series or movies without any subtitles. For example, lately I've been watching the show How I Met Your Mother, uh, which is uh, hilarious, by the way, and I keep subtitles on as a safety net uh, when I can't understand without context. Uh, I'll pause and I look up the word in a dictionary. I don't read them all the time, but it's a goal I want to achieve so that I can uh, turn off uh, subtitles forever. <laughs> I don't really want to pass an exam. Uh, I don't see the point for the moment. Well, yeah, I think with a platform of uh, working online, um, you have people who are going to you for their French practice. You can obviously speak other languages. So it's the point of having an exam would be to often it's used to prove to a university or a workplace that you have a certain level, which, to be honest, they could 
perhaps more easily assess that level if they give you a quick writing task or they have a video interview with you. They could really sort out much more quickly um, how good your skills are. Maybe it's also a it's a sign of the the commitment to the study. You know, if someone has achieved a, a C two level in in English, they've they've really spent a, a lot of time. Um, so it's a way of filtering out the the serious people from the ones who are more just kind of playing with it. But I I do agree that in general that um, exams give you definitely give you a focus. So it gives you a a very clear goal to aim towards. But yeah, it's very it can be very stressful at the the end of the day, and yeah, if you don't need it for your job, you don't need it for to get into university, then then why why would, would you focus your studies on an exam? Because sometimes exams can be extremely boring to study towards. You know, it's very repetitive. Whereas watching videos, having conversations with people, uh, if you're getting corrected by people, that's the important thing. If the person is correcting your skills your your pronunciation your grammar your vocabulary then then you're learning you have to be conscientious with using a i would say like a more a less formal a less academic technique you do need to be quite organized and you do need to manage your studies perhaps not everyone has the skill to manage their studies in that way and they just sort of skate along and hope that they're going to improve but if you have a strategy, then you can really progress a huge amount. So in the following episodes, I will be talking more about what strategies you, dear listener, can use in order to improve your English, focusing on English for, for a while at least. So anyway, thank you so much, Fabian, for coming on and talking about your experience. It's um, It's been great to hear from you. And it's called Français avec fluidité to follow Fabian on YouTube or on uh, Spotify or any other platforms for podcasts um, great so thanks for coming on take care bye oh thanks a lot for inviting me in your podcast and good luck for this new adventure it was a pleasure for me and see you soon Jan. bye bye <laughs> Thanks for listening. What do you think about today's topic? Remember, you can get in touch by leaving a comment or by joining the SpeakMeters community. Follow SpeakMeters on Instagram and subscribe to Spoken Like a Native on your favorite podcast platform. You can also leave a comment and like the stream. Please, please, please leave a review. It really helps us to find new listeners who are looking for fun language learning content. And lastly, don't forget to head over to speakmeters.com to take part in live conversations hosted by friendly native speakers. That's all for today. Catch you next time. Bye.